take a moment to sense into what happens when you hear the word generosity. Just notice in your experience what happens for you. Generosity, being generous. What do you feel? What associations come? Memories? Pleasant, unpleasant? Think of a time when you were at the receiving end of generosity. Someone was being generous to you. Just take a moment. You probably don't have to go back very far. Just something small. Someone held the door open, shared their cookie with you, let you in line, left you a nice message on your answer machine. When I was thinking about this talk, I remember this time when I was at Burning Man, and it was a super hot. So those of you who don't know Burning Man, I assume most of you do, but it's in it's in the Nevada desert. It's very hot in the height of summer. And uh, I was walking across the playa, as it's called, the main square. And it was it was really baking, and I was thirsty. And I had this this thought came up in my mind. I'd really like a cold mango right now. Cold mango, you know, soothe my thirst, and you know, it's a random thought, as you know, could have been anything like soda. And I just ignored it. Went onto this venue where they were having great music in the, in the midday sun with the Mad Dogs and Englishmen, and uh, and this man came up to me and said, "Would you like a cold mango?" <laughs> Peeled it, gave it to me. It was completely delicious. And I thought, wow, it's really great to be on the receiving end of generosity. I like that. And of course, for those of you who know Burning Man, there's a culture of generosity where there's no monetary exchange allowed except for the, the central coffee, tea place. Uh, everything, it's a gift economy. So people go there with the, uh, partly with the intention to, to give something. Food, drink, services, entertainment, play, all kinds of things. Um, so now again, take a moment to think about the last time that you gave something. Your time, your energy, your presence, your skills, touch, kind words. Notice how that feels. Last time you recall a generous act that you did for yourself, for somebody else. And just notice if, if that feels wholesome or uplifting or, or warm or positive. And now lastly, think about someone you know who embodies generosity someone who naturally is just quite giving of themselves, of their time, of their energy, their presence, their money, their whatever. And again, notice what it's like to, to call them to mind, what, what that instills in you. I know I really enjoy being around generous people because that there's something uh, rubs off. There's a, there's a lightness, there's a brightness 
<clears throat> there's a joy in it. I know when I think about times that I've been generous, it's also uplifting. I, and this summer I was teaching a course uh, for veterans. It was a rafting retreat, and it was, we had 20 veterans uh, who'd served in Iraq and Afghanistan, some quite traumatized. And um, the, the teachers there were giving about time and, and uh, skills to, to help these guys have some practices for dealing with post-traumatic you know, stress syndrome. And it was just a wonderful thing to be able to use one's time and skills and efforts and, and energy to, in the service of something greater than ourselves. So I probably wanted to talk about this theme because it's a theme that's very up in my life. Um, I went to a gathering um, some sometime this year um, uh, to meet a colleague, uh, who is now a friend and colleague, Nipun Mehta, who runs an organization called Service Space and uh, many other organizations like HelpOthers.org and uh, the Pay It Forward uh, restaurants and uh, and he's devoted his life to uh, generosity and helping others to be more generous, which is a beautiful thing. And he has this circle that his his parents organized, or they co-organized together. They started 14 years ago, and they just opened up the, ho- the, the doors to their house for people to come and gather and sit together and and have some kind of conscious conversation about uh, service and generosity and things that are touching them. And then his mother serves food, this beautiful Indian food. And um, this was 14 years ago. And now I think they've had 35 to 40,000 people come through their house and be fed and come to these circles. And of course the ripples have started rippling out and there's now these kind of uh, called awaken, awakens meetings that are happening all over the world. And w- one of the times I was there, he shared a story. Um, in fact, I started my own similar group, uh, where gatherings of gathering of friends to to um, who are in, with this express intention to focus more energy around generosity. And he came to speak, and he shared the story of what through the things that got him started. One of them was um, he was he's Indian, living in in San Jose, uh, went back to India. And got was with a friend of his, and they were on a mo- on a little moped going through the uh, streets, which are a little chaotic at times in India, and uh, the roads are not the not quite as smooth as they can be. Um, massive potholes and bullocks in the way, and things like that. And so he got he, there was a crazy bike journey, and he got really sick and got off the bike and was throwing up. and And he said, "What happened is uh, another man came by on a bike." And saw that he was nauseous and throwing up, and reached into his pocket, had a lemon, reached into his other pocket, had a knife, cut the lemon in half, walked over to Nippon, gave him the lemon, which is really good for nausea, and then put the lemon back in his pocket and went on his way. No words were exchanged, nothing else was exchanged. And he was incredibly touched by that act that someone had taken the time, who was going about their busy day, saw someone in distress, stopped acted really appropriately, gave him something that was medicine, and left without even needing a thank you or recognition. And he said that that was a formative experience for him, that 
became, that started him questioning about what was really important in life. He just trained as a uh, in high in, in he's an engineer. He trained in uh, high tech and um, was about to start working in Silicon Valley. And partly motivated by this experience, he gathered a few of his friends and he said, "How about instead of us applying for jobs, we just um, we just offer our services for free." We've got all this great skill in, 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 in IT and uh, software and programming. And how about we just find some really great nonprofit who's doing, that's doing really great work and say, what do you need? And this was, this was you know, maybe 20 years ago when websites were somewhat of a new thing and there was not the same awareness and skill level as there is now. And so to have somebody come into your nonprofit and say, yeah, we'll build your website. And they say, well, what's that? And you say, well, it's going to be really helpful in a few years. <laughs> uh, so he began doing that. And he, what, what he discovered, as we often do, is when we give like that, we feel the reward is way much more than we could have earned if we'd actually charged some money. Um, so he began uh, this, this his, his <coughs> life began oriented towards how, how else can he serve, how else can he give. And so, um, and has gone on to create many, many projects. You can find out his, about his work on servicespace.org is the easiest way. So, um, so I was inspired by his work and began forming my own group and gathering friends to see what similar projects we could do with our own skill set and our own... Uh, knowledge and team effort and whatnot. And it's been a really fun project. So I wanted to say, share some stories, um, partly that gleaned from my work doing that and my work uh, with these groups. And I want to um, talk about generosity in a way that's not, um, to, to expand our usual sense of the meaning of the word. And how, and how in particular, there are so many ways that we can give that we may be already doing through our presence, through the way we are in the world. You know, sometimes I think we limit generosity to an act, a very specific concrete act, or a monetary exchange, and there's so many more dimensions to it than that. So I wanted to share this particular story um, um, that speaks to the simplicity of generosity and how we can give it, we, we can offer that um, just through our presence, which is really the most invisible gift that we have to give, but also the most powerful. As I was waiting for her clothes to dry, an elderly woman sat silently on the bench and mumbled to herself. Her soft yet repetitive words seemed to have annoyed everyone and people sitting nearby moved away from her, as many do to homeless people. As my dry came to a stop, I got up and started folding things, and she remained seated. When I was nearly done, she rose from the bench and came towards me. Her eyes were cloudy blue, but seemed to look straight through me. For a moment, I felt I must know her, but could not recall call her in any way. I smiled, and this woman very graciously handed me a small card. Inside was written, I am a simple woman, and many find me odd. I have not spoken to others since my son died in the war. Thank you for sitting beside me as I prayed for him. As I read the card, tears welled in my eyes, and this fragile woman reached out her hand and placed it on mine. 
I realized that her mumblings were prayers, and her lack of contact was even a smile with her lack of contact with even a smile was due to her sense of hopelessness. How sad she must be to live in a world where she was shunned because she seemed different. I returned to the laundry many more times, and we sat together as she prayed. The woman who I had encountered upon arrival. <coughs> Sorry, there's a little typo in the story here. So the story goes on. So, um, so she she goes back uh, many times to sit with this woman, and, and at some point, the the old lady stops appearing, but she still goes uh, to the laundrette to see if she will come day after day, and then one day another woman arrives who's uh, unfamiliar to her, um, and clearly not. Um, used to uh, the laundrette experience, and so she asked if she could sit next to this woman. And within a few moments, she, an- she introduced herself as Alice. Alice began in a gentle tone to speak about a woman she called Mother. She spoke of their status in the community and the outreach work that her mother had prided herself on teaching her children. Then it all started to make sense. This young woman must be the daughter of my friend, and this place was where her mother felt closest to her son. But her daughter never knew never knew she did not sit silently as suspected. She prayed for her lost son and the courage and grace to continue to be of service. When Alice finished her story, she asked, Did you ever meet my mother? Without hesitation, I proudly said that I knew her mother and that each day we met here, we sat on the bench and prayed for her loved ones. Alice stood and prepared to leave, but before she did, she handed me a fine linen envelope. I believe this is for you. And she walked away. I sat on the bench and looked at the envelope. It was addressed, a dear friend. I read, my dear companion and friend, in the beginning when I came to this place, I came in sorrow. I sat and remembered my boy and prayed. People cast glances my way and acted as if I was a bit crazy. I sat in the same place and talked with my son and prayed that he would know I loved him and was so proud to be his mom. Then one day you walked in and sat beside me. As time went by, you continued to come, and my prayers became your prayers. I wondered how you could come, how you would understand an old fool like me, let alone decipher what I was saying. Somehow you understood. In this life, I tried to do good, to be someone who others could look up to and feel that my intentions were always to assist and never judge or harm. I raised my son that way. He was a good man, and my children so thoughtful and kind. If you're reading this now, you must have met my daughter, Alice. She is a grand lady but thinks I'm losing my mind. At one point, I also believed, and then I met you. You asked me for, for nothing and gave me something that I will carry with me until I leave this earth. You gave me acceptance, respect, and treated me with a gentle regard for the person I was. What you may not have realized was that coming here became a time I truly look forward to. I look forward to meeting you, dear lady, and never even knew your name. Your presence and acceptance of what seemed like oddities meant so much to me. No one has ever been so kind without expecting something in return. I was always happy to give, but you gave me a gift that is priceless, the gift of acceptance and time spent with an old lady that everyone decided was sick. I'll be forever in your debt, and you'll be forever in my heart. So I was very touched by that story because of the, the simplicity of the act of just simply being with somebody, sitting, Accepting, open, present, no grand gesture, 
but very powerful. The power of human connection, of kindness, of warmth, of actually taking the time to take somebody in and to, to bear witness, to pray with, to, to hold with kindness. So in the Buddhist teachings, generosity is a very highly praised quality. And what's interesting about the, 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 the root of the word generosity uh, is from the Greek is, means noble birth. And the Buddha often talked about, uh, t- spoke to his disciples and students as nobly born ones, the people who practice uh, the, the, t- the time that the understanding in the caste system was one was born into nobility because of birth and the Buddha in a very revolutionary way said no, one is not noble by one's birth but, why, but by one's actions. We become noble by ennobling our heart, ennobling our mind, ennobling our, the way we live our lives. So it's good to reflect on what, why the Buddhists place such an emphasis on generosity. And he would speak to, whenever he would speak to lay people, which is us, um, he would always start his teachings uh, focused on generosity and ethics. And I think one of the primary reasons why it's such a, uh, a highly prized quality and s- spoken about so much is because the Buddha's, if you understand the Buddha's framework of his teaching, he the, the, the orientation of the teaching is to shift from painful, suffering, self-absorbed states of mind to ones that are open and kind that bring happiness and well-being. And so generosity is one of those qualities that's simple in its effect that it makes us feel happy. It makes us feel bright. It makes us feel expansive, whether we're receiving or giving or both. There was a study done of um, uh, people receiving gifts, and uh, it, they were there, it was in a slightly odd study uh, where people were the, the, in an elevator. The elevator doors would open, and they were given something as a surprise. Um, <laughs> I'm sure many people press the next floor up, and <laughs> I'm out of here. What was interesting is that people responded much more warmly, uh, particularly the, and you can tell this by the, the muscles in the, the face around the eyes, that's a more genuine smile. People responded really warmly to flowers versus money. So if anybody hands you <laughs> flowers in an elevator. So generosity is an antidote to the part of our mind that feels scarcity, that feels contractedness, that feels the hoarding part of us. It, it, it's, you know, these teachings are so oriented towards what allows us to let go, what allows us to loosen the grip of fear so we can not hold on so tightly, so we can not be so gripped in this sense of scarcity. So generosity can remind us that we have enough. When we give, it actually, it actually leads to a sense of abundance. To a sense of, oh, there is plenty. There is more than my mind tends to think there is. 
And it also, the, the, the generative part of generosity is, it not just makes us feel expansive and connected. I mean, in essence, it's a connecting practice, right? Think about the times that you've been generous, been kind, right? There's a sense of direct connection with another, uplifting in that sense. I remember driving over here one day to Spirit Rock and there was really bad traffic and someone was trying to get in, nobody was letting them in, which is often happens where you get really scarce about time. And, and then this guy stopped to let this person in and I stopped and we let this person in. And then the guy who had this big beaming, the guy who was letting this person in had this big beaming smile. He was in a convertible, leaned down and said, doesn't that feel good? <laughs> like, yeah, it does feel good. It wasn't such a big deal. I, I mean, I've lost like seven and a half seconds of my day, but it's kind of worth it, really, wasn't it? <laughs> so, you know, and it's the same in, 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 in the, you go to Buddhist countries in Southeast Asia and Burma and Thailand, and you'll see these often quite poor families who are supporting the monks and the nuns with their food and, and particularly in the alms round. And there's a sense of glee and delight in, in this in, the, in this act of generosity of, of supporting uh, monastics and, and people to practice and to meditate and, and to carry on the, these teachings that they so revere. And it's, it, it's it, for me, often when I see that, it, it turns this idea of what, what has value and what's important on its head because it, I see these people coming from incredibly poor homes and shanty towns and shacks and still engaging in this in this sense of abundance, the sense of, oh, I have enough and I want to offer and I want to share and I want to give. And there's such an understanding of the value of the wholesomeness of that in the mind. So the Buddha talked about three wholesome mm, qualities that arise when we when we practice generosity. The, 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 just the thinking about giving, planning to give, brings a certain brightness. And then the act of giving, of course, is also uplifting. And then the reflecting about having given, being generous, is also uplifting. And I think about this a lot because particularly here, we can be so down on ourselves and so critical. And often I hear so many times people struggling to find a sense of worth or value. And I think generosity is one of those things that we can most easily tap into a sense of our goodness. And that we all are generous in different ways. And that is a, to, to tap into that is an, is an easy, easy doorway to, to sense into, oh yes, there is goodness in this heart that's often quite spontaneous, that's often uh, will come forth with even, without it being asked for. I think about the generosity that inspires action, that inspires, you know, Spirit Rock is a good example. It's a beautiful retreat center and land and all these offerings of teachings and, and it's all built on generosity. You know, we're in the middle of this big fundraising campaign and people are giving, you know, small and large amounts that will create these buildings, that will support the teachings and all the great outflows that come from this. One of the things I love about the, the, the practice of generosity is, and the quality of generosity is how contagious it is. I was reading a study today um, from Harvard um, 
where they were suggesting that people who benefit from kindness tend to find it contagious and they pay it forward. So, and I love this idea of paying it forward, that we, that as we receive something, the, we, with a sense of being full and we want to pass it on. So they studied these um, board games where, um, where uh, kids were, uh, in, uh, as part of the board game setup, were given to, and those who were given to were more, much more naturally likely to pass it on. And, as, and once they'd been given to once, they would pass it on more and more, so it was actually reinforcing a, a, a habit of generosity. And one of the things I love about the organization service space that Nippon developed is um, they have a lot of pay it forward concepts. So the the, the, the pay it forward, uh, what do they call it, karma kitchen, uh, various places where you go to a, a restaurant and you, you have your dinner and then there's no bill because someone's already paid for your dinner ahead of you and then you're invited to pay it forward. And so you have this culture of paying it forward for... Uh, whether it's in a restaurant, my friends have taken it to the, when the, 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 the dance events that they run, they have using this pay-it-forward system. And this is a beautiful uh, way of, of thinking outside the box. And so they have these things called smile cards that you can uh, get. And um, often what people will do is they're in a restaurant or a cafe or the toll plaza or something, and you pay, you, you um, look around and you decide to pay for someone's meal or someone's coffee or someone's or whatever it is. And then instead of them getting the bill, they get this smile card. <laughs> and the invitation on the smile card is, you know, welcome, you know, you, you're, the, you're a recipient of generosity, please pay it forward if you like. And so often in a restaurant, you'll find that the, the, there's like a whole chain goes around the restaurant of people paying for each other's dinners and and it's not so much the paying of the dinner that's significant, it's the act. It's, it's the heartwarming expansiveness that's important. Because, you know, the people in the restaurant, they can afford to buy their dinner. It's not the point. The point is to, uh, is to take people outside themselves and connect and to sense into the goodness that's in the world. So I want to read another story um, that speaks to the contagiousness of generosity. So I haven't held a job since April of 2011 due to multiple health issues. I currently draw disability, but I'm having trouble finding money at the end of the month, so I decided I would look for a part-time job. I've been applying and interviewing since July with no prospects. I've been told mostly that I'm overqualified or they need full-time. I've been getting pretty discouraged. I started my random acts of kindness practice way back in February for me personally, not to get anything back but a good feeling. With no job prospects and with the winter coming, meaning high utility costs, I'd been feeling pretty down and gloomy. I was actually asking myself, why can't someone be kind enough to take me on as an employee? This past Tuesday evening, it was freezing cold outside and going on to 9 o'clock as I was waiting at a city bus stop. Just as the bus pulled up, a young woman walked up to the bus stop. She had a t-shirt, capris, and flip-flops on. She also was wearing several hospital bracelets. I asked her for a name and if she had a, home, a coat or anywhere to go. She quickly told me she had just lost her apartment because she lost her job, then got very sick and was put in hospital. She has no family in the area and didn't even know where she was going to sleep that night. I dug in my purse and took out some bus tickets and $5 so she could get something to eat. I then took off my jacket and tennis shoes and gave them to her. I said these are a little big, but they should keep you warm. She looked at me and said, aren't you going to be cold? 
I told him, me being cold for 15 minutes until I get to the place is worth it, if I know you will be a little warmer for wherever you end up. She cried and thanked me with a hug. I just told her to pass it on. Then after I got on the bus, that's when the miracle of spreading kindness happened. I stepped up to pay the fare and the bus driver said, Ma'am, I saw what you just did and your fare is on me. Even though technically we aren't supposed to let you on the bus without shoes, he said with a wink. <laughs> I went to sit down and this lady who was dressed in a very professional business suit calls me over to her seat. She says, I want to know the name of the person who just did the most inspiring thing I've ever seen. I told her my name and she is like, what can I do for you to give back what I just witnessed? I jokingly said, paying a, a paying job would be nice. She said, I might be able to work something out. She asked for my name and number and said she'd call me the next day. The next day she calls me and says that she has a part-time administrative assistant position opening in her company and wants, to, wants me to come in and meet with the manager that day. It turned out the lady was the head of HR for the company. I went in for an interview and got a call this afternoon. I start Monday morning at 9 a.m. Thank you for all inspiring me to keep passing the kindness on. I never expected to get so much back in return. So that's the power of generosity and its contagious effects. There's a certain kind of ripple that's hard to stop once it starts moving. Another thing I find interesting about generosity is um, that uh, many times it's hard to know who's giving and who's receiving. That the act of giving is so nourishing and rewarding and it's such an honor and a blessing at times to give that it doesn't feel like we're giving anything at all. It feels like we're the ones who are receiving and the recipient is really just giving us the gift of the opportunity so we can do that. So I've, I've had several friends um, over the last couple of years who've had serious accidents and um, um, being with them in their times of distress and need in hospital or wherever it is, um, sitting with them and reassuring or just sitting and just being and um, it feels like it's such an honor to do that, especially when, when there's a life-threatening situation as there has been with one of my friends and um, and to feel into the blessing of that, to, it's, 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 and I know what I hear so often is, I want to give, but I don't know how or where. And we know, we, we know instinctively that there's a pull to do that. And so, and it's an, and it's, so it's, it feels like a blessing when those opportunities make themselves known so that that channel can flow. So back to the Buddha's teaching for a, a little bit. Um, so he, as he did, has lists of th things, and one of the things he talked about was different levels of giving, different qualities of giving. And so the first level of giving is what he called pauper giving, where we give reluctantly, where we give but we're somewhat resentful of having to give. Um, an example would be a child who's, who's being forced to share his toys or her toys. Uh, and then there's noble giving, where we're giving something that we care about, we're giving something that we cherish, whether it's our time or our money or our energy or our resources. Um, I was at a dinner recently at a friend's house and I met uh, a woman called Eve Blossom 
who um, was as a, a designer and um, was in Cambodia doing some some project for her company, and she was in a bar listening to two men, and she realized the two men were discussing the sale of uh, a young girl for sex trafficking. And she tried to intervene and failed and was horrified by that whole industry and her exposure to that. So she decided to put her design skills to work and to see if she could find a way to create uh, an industry for those girls so uh, they would have a livelihood and they would be valued more by the culture um, and their families so they wouldn't be sold into the sex trade. So she started this project which has now become a very um, mm, a pioneering project but also it's looked to as uh, a role model for how to develop those kind of um, industries uh, that support uh, women and girls at risk and now it's spread to many, many countries across Asia and elsewhere in Africa. And it was just beautiful to hear the, 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 the gift of her giving and the, the power of, of one person's uh, focus and the, the, the difference it can, it can make. So with noble giving, and then we have kingly giving, which the Buddha talked about uh, the gift of uh, wisdom, the gift of truth, the gift of the Dharma, the gift of freedom, the gift of uh, liberation. For myself, one of the, the ways that I experienced that is uh, when I was um, in teacher training with Jack, we, we, the teachers uh, here at Spirit Rock go through, mostly go through teacher training and with Jack and um, he gives, uh, at the time it was a four-year training, and um, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be in such close quarters with him. There's a small group, it was about eight of us, four years, and it's completely offered freely. There's no, he expects nothing in return. Um, and it's just a beautiful, uh, for me, a beautiful expression of somebody giving the gift of truth and of wisdom and uh, uh, Kindness. I'll say a little more about that story later because there's a there's a backstory to it. So one of the ways that we can think about generosity is th- about is through our own practice, through our own meditation practice, our own spiritual practice, whatever form that takes for you. And as I said earlier, one of the the most powerful or potent forms of of generosity is is our own presence and attention. If you think about when, if you felt the power of generosity from somebody, often it's through their presence. It's through simply giving somebody attention. And as we know, that's a, an a increasingly precious resource because most of our attention is so scattered. Right? It's quite. It's actually quite rare now to have a conversation without some the other person not checking their Blackberry, looking at something on their iPhone, getting a phone call, being somehow interrupted by some technology media. So, just, so one practice of generosity is to be with somebody without using technology, you know, without 
being distracted by your cell phone or whatever other digital thing you've got lying around. Um, it sounds simple or silly even, but it's actually, you know, I've been, how many meetings are you at where people are, you know, 50% looking at other, you know, handheld things? Right? Not a lot of presence, not a lot of gen- generous presence. And then there's the gift of, that we can give of trust. So there's a strong emphasis on, on the development of, of ethics, of living wisely and kindly without harming in life. And that, that itself is an act of generosity. We're giving the gift of safety, of trust, of a safe environment, which is something we don't really see until that's not present. And then we really see how precious that is. Or being generous with others by not boxing them, by not fixing them into some idea or belief of who you think they are, who they think they should be. Right? So we know how constricting it feels when we're with somebody, whether it's our partner or a friend or a family member, who has some idea about us or how, how they think we should be. Right? It doesn't feel very expensive. Right? It feels pretty horrible actually to be on the end of that so we can return that that we can practice how not to do that how to hold somebody with a sense of spaciousness or lightness or generosity with well maybe i don't know who they are maybe i don't know what they should be doing maybe they shouldn't pick up their socks you know and leave them around the bedroom i mean maybe that's you know that's just their dharma karma my karma, their dharma, I don't know. <laughs> or, pr- or when, we in tr- when we're driving, you know, generosity while we're driving. Tr- gen- I, I, driving is like, it's like the ego in a box, <laughs> you know, and we think we're protected, and so all the s- not-so-flattering things come out, right? And we get mean and aggressive and angry and can do. So here, anyway. <laughs> so what do we do to practice generosity when we're driving? Letting people in, giving people some time, being patient. Patience is a beautiful practice of generosity. Right? As, as in the opposite, when, when someone's impatient with us, right? it, again, it feels somewhat hostile. It feels aggressive. So I think one of the most important pieces about the practice of generosity is the effect it has on the heart. <coughs> Love is a, is, a, is, a, is a, its expression is generosity. Generosity is an expression of love. The two are very interwoven. It's hard to separate generosity and love. They're both, generosity is a heart quality, comes out of connection, deepens connection, comes out of love, deepens love. So um, the back end of the story about teacher training, uh, so at the end of four years, we, we're, we're done with our training, and someone says, well, what should we give Jack? You know, he's given us a lot of time and energy, and he's been really kind and supported us and opened doors up and all kinds of things. And someone says, well, we can't get him a Buddha because he has, he has way too many Buddhas. Everyone gets him a Buddha, and you can't get him a Buddhist painting because he has all those Buddhist paintings at home, and we can't get him Buddhist books because he has tons of Buddhist books. I mean, we've ex- ex- exhausted that whole thing, you know. I mean, Buddhas are nice, but you know, you can only have so many in your living room. 
And someone says, well, you know, he's got this really crappy old car. Why don't we get him a new car? And someone's like, what? We can't get him a car. It's really expensive. I mean, a Buddha would cost you $150, and you're <laughs> talking about, you know, I don't know, what, depending on your car. And then someone says, no, let's do it. Let's get him a car. He you know, he's deserves it. He's you know, driving on his clunker. And uh, so we were like, mm. And so we called his wife and found out what kind of car he might like. And so it turns out he likes Toyotas, and so we ended up getting him a Toyota Camry hybrid um, between eight of us, which was a you know, somewhat of a substandard presence for, um, as a gift. Um, and so we, we, we drove it down to the parking lot and we put a big ribbon on it and uh, was talking to his wife about what color he likes and interiors and all that stuff. So we got all that stuff put in and and uh, we blindfolded him, take him out, and then we show him the car and, he's <laughs> and the look on his face was worth every penny that we spent because it was just like, <laughs> you know, because not every day someone buys you a car, right? So it's, you don't really believe it at first. Like, really? Like, come on, it's a joke. So anyhow, so that, again, that, that, that thing of who's giving and who's receiving, you know, every time I see him in his car and it's like, oh yeah, that's good car. <laughs> Makes me happy you're still driving it. You didn't trade it in. <laughs> I read this uh, wonderful story about an American couple who were adopting, and they adopted an Indian baby, and it, and it turned out the baby had multiple sclerosis. And after a couple of years, um, they uh, were looking to adopt again, and they went back to India and um, uh, adopted another baby with a multiple sclerosis, so the, the first baby would be in company, good company. And I was just so touched by that story because raising a baby with multiple sclerosis is a profound, profound uh, process. And I, and I just was so moved by the, the, the capacity of people's hearts to stretch and to, and to be generous in that way and to be so other-regarding, which, of course, all parents are, uh, is an, an expression of that too. So um, one thing I want to speak to before we wrap up is to think about the ordinary ways that you can be generous, ordinary ways that you can be kind, because I think that's really more important. Sometimes we get stuck with it has to be some big thing. I have to, you know, who knows what your your um, your ambition is or your ideal is, but uh, buy a car. Yes, I can't afford a car. Oh my God, I can buy a toy car. Um, so I remember I once I, w- I went through this. Uh, Retreat from hell, it was a long retreat, um, and it was one of those retreats you just, well, you hear about and you dread that's going to happen to you. And every now, if you sit long enough, one of those will happen to you. And, um, uh, and a friend of mine was, or I didn't know that well at the time, was uh, is, is in the room next to me, um, and I, I was in this place where I couldn't really do the formal practice for quite a while, and I was in my room a lot, and a lot of tears were shed, and, and every now and then he would just come in and just sit on the edge of my bed and just sit there and just be present. It was a silent retreat, so we couldn't talk. And would just offer me his presence and say, I'm here. I'm here. You're not alone. You're not in this alone. I get where you are. And every now and then he'd draw me these little 
pictures of stick man with his hearts and band-aids over them and kind of <laughs> different stages of healing and um, and I was always it's always stayed with me that simple act of presence you know it, it, it can be so little in terms of action but it means so much just like the story in the laundrette I invited a, a, a man to this generosity circle I have in my house, uh, this guy called Pancho, who lives in Oakland, some of you may know him, and he's a peace activist and a generosity activist, and he moved to uh, East Oakland, Fruitvale, um, in his houses in between, uh, in a neighborhood where there's three uh, gangs that are uh, somewhat uh, at war with each other. And he moved there purposely to um, to practice peace and nonviolence. And being Fruitvale, um, there happens to be a lot of fruit trees. And of course, most of the fruit trees in most urban areas, they just fall by the wayside. Nobody really takes care of them, picks them. And so um, he decided with his friends to start going around the neighborhoods and, and knocking on the doors and saying, hey, you've got an avocado tree in your backyard. You've got an orange tree. You've got a pear tree. Do you mind if when, 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 the, when the fruit's in season, we can pick them and we can distribute them to the neighbors and to you and to homeless shelters? And so he started this project where they go around these different neighborhoods and uh, collect the fruit and then give it out to uh, people locally and to kids and to schools. And uh, they knocked on one door and uh, this woman came to the door and she has a huge orange tree in the front yard and, and they, they offered to pick them and distribute. And she wept because she, she said she'd been asking schools and urban farm projects and all kinds of people to come pick them because they, they were wasted. She was too old to do that. And so she was delighted, and so they end up picking 300 pounds of oranges that they distributed to, you know, these are organic, local <laughs> oranges, right? <laughs> to the neighbors and to the school, and, uh, you know, again, just simple things that are often just in our backyard, literally, in this case. So a friend of mine who comes to this group, um, she, uh, someone was talking, we have this email list that goes around and, and it was, someone was talking about some challenge about how to be generous. And so my friend responded and I and quote some pieces from my email because it's so, uh, she's a wonderful beacon of generosity. And she says, um, it's the small opportunities in a hundred moments each day that can develop our generosity muscle and connect us with others. As I move through the day and am presented with the minutiae of daily life, I try to think, who might like this? How can I give this away? How can I use this moment to share and connect with strangers or people that I love and that aren't there right now? Pebbles and shells on the beach for my daughter, poems and emails to friends or articles they might like, taking the, five, the full five minutes to send someone a card. I call friends when I hear songs that remind me of them and leave a message about my memory of our time together and how wonderful it made me feel and what a gift it is to be visited by them out of the blue. My new favorite is surprising strangers in my daily world by thanking them. Last week I stopped in the grocery store to thank a woman for grinding coffee and filling the aisle with such a delicious odor. She looked at me in, a, in surprise, pulled herself up as if to assess her next step, then burst into a big smile and a story about her mom introducing her to coffee long ago. The exchange lasted about 20 seconds but changed my afternoon for the better and as I saw for her too. 
So very simple, very ordinary, recognizing what's around us, and sometimes just means speaking, sharing. You know, as she said, thanking the woman for the coffee, or what a beautiful dress, or what a great smile. So one of the practices that I took on for myself when I heard about this practice of generosity and the teaching of generosity is um, a mantra of just do it, of uh, acting on the first thought. Because we often have generous impulses, and then the second impulse is, mm, I don't know, I might need that scarf that I haven't worn for three years. I mean, it might get really snowy one day in the Bay Area, and that woolly hat that I haven't worn for 15 years since I last skied could come in handy. You know, the emergency people say, keep that woolly stuff handy, you know. Disaster comes. You know, and we just get in this tight knot, and so we just go, we get stuffed in this big closet of piles of things that we think about giving away and never do. And so to trust that first thought, you know, give it away. Just do it, act on it. And sometimes it's scary. There's a a woman on staff here who um, came to a class or a day-long she, for, w- w- the, the nuns were teaching monastic nuns, and at the end of the day, she, as you are here, invited to give dana generosity to the teachers, and so um, and went through this angst of how much do I give? They're nuns; they don't really need anything, but they have nothing, so I should give more, and you know all the things that angst the mind goes through in giving money. And so should I give twenty? No, I should give fifty. That's too much. So she said, okay, I'm just going to pick out the, a note from my wallet and just, and whatever it is, I'm just going to give it. And it turned out it was a hundred bucks. <laughs> it's like, okay. And she felt really delighted that she was giving that to these notes. So we never know. So one of the places we can think about generosity is uh, with our, towards ourselves. You know, so generosity generally is a, is a, is a you know, radial act to others. But sometimes we're so hard on ourselves and so stingy with ourselves that it's much easier for us, for some people, to be very generous with money or time or food or gifts or something and to really be um, almost depriving of ourselves or unkind or cruel with with our tightness, with our stinginess. So just notice if that's more true for you. I know when I when I when I was first came here, I, was, I really didn't have a lot of money for quite a long time. I was a dharma bum um, and didn't really have much regular work. And I, I would, but I was also came from England, northern England, in a working class family. I was very frugal, so frugal that I would just there would be some delicious fruits or organic this, and and I wouldn't buy them because I, I I didn't feel like I w- I deserved to eat so well. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to, to, to indulge in myself in that way. And that was, it, it's sort of painful to, to, to feel that. And I've noticed a shift that, that that's not true anymore. Like if something looks healthy and is organic and is, I buy it, because why not? So, um, but for some people, generosity might be doing less, actually, you know, or resting more, you know, not working so hard. Uh, or giving yourself the time to meditate, or do yoga, or some some body renewing practice. Some people have to balance the tendency to give to overgive, you know, to give too much 
over there so there's some neglect here in a way that feels imbalanced. And for some people, the, 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 the generosity is, is, is fueled sometimes by guilt, by shame, by I have to, by a burden. And the, the generosity should really come from a sense of an inner well-being, a spring, uh, or a spontaneity. The story of a, a monk, and a monk, a, a rich, wealthy merchant in the Buddhist time, on Anattapindika, who who was responsible for donating a lot of land and um, buildings and, and and grounds for the Buddha and his monks and nuns to practice. Um, but he was so generous that, that, that towards the end of his life he was broke, and he was incredibly one of the wealthiest merchants around at that time. So um, to to be wise with one's to be discerning at the same time as one's open-hearted. And lastly, just to take a moment to reflect on what gets in, in the way for you. What gets in the way of the heart connecting through kindness, through generosity? I noticed recently I was asked twice to do something because I was in a place of rushing, I didn't have time to say yes. So sometimes we get so busy, there's so much haste, that that becomes an obstacle. You know, we've taken too much on as it is, so we feel swamped. There's not any space in the heart. For some of it's more of a resource scarcity, a money scarcity. Well, I have so little. How can I possibly? So just to sense into yourself, what, 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 where is there a barrier, and what would allow that some room What does it mean to be generous? What would generosity look like in your life? What would, it, what would it mean for you to be generous to yourself, to another, to the planet, to your community? I'll close with this quote from Uh, One Simple Act, Discovering the Power of Generosity by Debbie McComber. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever you can. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all times you can to all the people you can. So, um, thank you for your attention. And I hope that some words here inspire you to uh, reach out to others in all the ways seen and unseen uh, to spread this light of generosity and may it be contagious everywhere you go. Thank you.